The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Loss helps us define our lives. By allowing our grief to matter, we discover our own strengths and embrace our authentic selves. Welcome to Good Grief with your host, Cheryl Jones. Get ready to be inspired, to create a deeper life, to make your time on Earth much more meaningful. Now, here is Cheryl Jones. Hello, I'm Cheryl Jones, and I want to welcome you to Good Grief, where we talk each week about the transformations that can come from loss. Before I introduce today's guest, I want to tell you about my show next week, which I'm very excited about. I'll be on the air with Tom Zuba, author of Permission to Mourn, A New Way to Do Grief. This is his second time on Good Grief. Before uh, he, he was on once before talking about his book, and I'm really happy to welcome him back. We'll be on air talking about grief during the holidays, and for the first time, we'll be accepting call-ins at 866-472-5792. We'll be bringing people on air if you want to call. You can also send questions or comments in advance to me at my email address, Cheryl Jones at weatheringgrief.com, or by following any of the links on my, my Good Grief page. Holiday times, I really think, can be especially challenging in terms of grief but also potentially very meaningful. So that's what we're going to have a conversation about, how to bring the meaning in and and walk ourselves through it. It'll be November 25th from 2 to 3 in just a week from now. And as always, it'll go in the archives afterwards. Today I'm talking with Joy Levert. Joy is the best-selling author of the complete elder care planner, Where to Start, Which Questions to Ask, How to Find Help. She's a keynote speaker, who employs expertise based on experience. Joy offers keynotes to the mature market, family caregivers, and the professionals who assist them. Her keynotes have included the National Institutes of Health, American Business Women's Association, American Seniors Housing Association, Society of Human Resource Management, and Xerox Women's International Conference. As a mature market consultant, Joy offers her expertise to attorneys, financial planners, clergy, healthcare providers, senior housing administrators, and other members of the fast-growing elder care advisory industry. And she's been interviewed and, repre- and also represented products relevant to this industry on many platforms, the Today Show, CBS Early Show, CNN, Fox News, NPR, ABC News, and Bloomberg. Welcome, Joy. Thank you, Cheryl. It's nice to have you here today. Um, As you, of course, know, we met at a conference about end-of-life management and care, and um, you're so uh, articulate on how to plan for those things, so I'm very happy to have that, that voice on the air. That was quite a conference, don't you think? Yeah, the, the conversations were so deep. They were very deep. I loved when people had different points of view. 
Um, and I especially liked the question, uh, the open platform discussion that took place between everyone in the audience and all the presenters. And it was quite enlightening. Absolutely. And, and what I feel um, your book brings to the whole conversation is it's so um, thorough, complete, and at the same time readable, which is extremely important for overwhelmed caregivers. Well, you know, people don't have a problem when uh, they know how to articulate and how to say what they, what they want to have across to someone. But very often that's the problem is they don't know um, how, to, how to approach a sensitive subject, for example, or how to prepare for a time when you might be uh, having an explosive conversation with someone that you love. That's the value of having this, this resource available to you. It just spells it all out in plain English. You know, I, um, I found it extremely relevant, not just to elder care, but also uh, having uh, been a caregiver for a younger person who was ill, most of what you talked about was highly relevant to, um, you know, I remember creating uh, a lot of the things that you had um, readily accessible in the book, um, you know, like uh, how to keep track of medications and how to record doctor's conversations, all these things that um, it becomes evident you need, but then you're sort of in an overwhelmed situation and it's hard sure. to, it's yeah. hard to, to um, even get the concentration to create those things. Or even try to remember it all. It's, a diff- it's, it's quite difficult, especially when you're emotionally distraught. Absolutely, which, which people typically are. I mean, I, I sort of saw it coming with my parents, but that's because I had already been through it. But mm-hmm. for a lot of people, um, when their elders go towards the end of life, that's the first time maybe that they have been a caregiver in any meaningful way. Yes? Oh, absolutely. It's, um, even though we know that it's an inevitable family responsibility, we don't start to go there until we really have to. I mean, that's just the way it is. Um, I can't tell you how many times I hear people saying, well, I'm not a caregiver, and that's just my mom and dad, and I'm doing the daughter thing, or I'm doing the, the son thing. But they're not making reference to uh, who they are as a caregiver. And that's that's okay. What an interesting point, because I've done some training in Toronto with a uh, protocol called Managing uh, Cancer and Living Meaningfully. And they hate the word caregiver. But Mm -hmm. to me, uh, they say that just comes along with being family. Which, while true, doesn't recognize what a what a strain people are under. I think. Oh, it's 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 uh, you know, like as we hear many different sides and points of view. As long as people are stepping up to the plate, I don't care how they make a reference to it. I hear I hear all the things they're going through, and whether I put a label on it or not, I appreciate every single thing that they do as a son, as a daughter, as a caregiver. Just to give people an idea of um, really um, 
the tone of the book, how you how you speak in the book. Would you read the uh, excerpt about? Uh, it's it's headed. We don't choose elder care. Elder care chooses us. Sure, I I would be delighted to. Um, so it goes on to say that at first, elder care feels as if a rug has been pulled out from under you. You're falling. And you're grabbing for something steady to hold on to, but there's nothing there. You laugh when things are sad, and you cry when things go well. The caregiving journey takes you to places unimaginable, and in the process, you learn more about yourself than ever before. You won't come away from the caregiving experience the same as when you started, nor will you look at life and death in the way you did before. Life will never be the same again. We caregivers become the beneficiaries of unique gifts the moment we find the courage to talk with our elders. And it is only then that we can hear the words that will be spoken after the hard work is done. Thank you for all you've done for me, and I love you. Do not be blinded by the problem-solving elements of elder care or you'll miss the lessons they have to teach. The simple truth about elders is this. They want their lives to be validated, and they do not want to die alone. Go to them as best you can, and you will be rewarded handsomely. Elder care wakes up the soul and brings us face-to-face with our own mortality. That's both both the blessing and the curse for a lot of people, isn't it, Joy? That you really... You really are facing the fact that not just the the fact that your loved one will die, but that we all do. Uh, yeah, yeah. It, <laughs> There's two things going on at the same time when we're caregiving. Yeah, absolutely right. You know, we're we're previewing uh, all kinds of possibilities, and at the same time, as we heard at the conference we were just at. Well, I'll never let that happen to me, right? Or just shoot me or something to that effect. I mean, we, we are looking at it from uh, below the belt and above the surface at the same time. Well, it, it reminds me of when I was young, you know, I'm in my 60s now, um, and, and nobody was really, uh, everyone pretty much thought they wouldn't make it to 30, in my particular um, group of friends, and most of us have far, far out, outstripped that. But there is that kind of sense of um, a drop off that we don't really think realistically about what it's like to age and and um, you know, kind of lose some of our capacity and at the end mm-hmm. of that die. We don't. Uh, people don't always think about that until it knocks on the door right we don't we don't necessarily connect the dots any more than someone who doesn't exercise uh, doesn't connect the dots as to why they can't breathe right mm. it's it, it, it just takes this this hammer over the head sometime for us to realize we're talking about a family responsibility here that is that is quite spiritual Quite, and I don't mean religious, I mean spiritual. There's a lot of things going on um, behind the scenes in our own lives that allow us to address the difficult issues. So, so it takes us a while to go there. We don't really necessarily get it when we start out. 
I'm wondering if I've had a lot of curiosity about the generational, maybe this is just how I comfort myself that somehow I won't resist as hard as my parents did. <laughs> but, um, but there seems to be, to me, uh, something about people that went through the war and the depression um, that is very stoic. And it makes it a little hard sometimes to generate conversation. Do you find that? Oh, I, I, that's not the only thing. Is it? The difference uh, in um, how they see diversity is another thing that I find to be quite unsettling. Um, the, you know, it, it takes a while for them to be accepting of different kinds of people. So at the same time, they're brave, they're stoic, they've been through the Depression, um, wonderful, you know, uh, pride, and we can, we can learn a lot from their courage and bravery of all the things they went through. And at the same time, the younger people have a lot to teach them. And so you're really talking about genera- generating better connection, maybe, than sometimes people uh, have ever had with each other, where they have a way to, you know, kind of stay in the same room together. Am we, I hearing you correctly all, on that? I absolutely agree with you. We, we all, all the time need to learn from each other and do our best to stay open-minded and flexible. The other thing I noticed with my parents, uh, they were... Uh, I guess somewhat uncommonly prepared in the sense that they had their healthcare directives, their paperwork was done, you know. My mother paid <laughs> bills a couple of days before she died. I mean, you know, Let's they just... Calm them. <laughs> I mean, much more organized than, than I am. But what hadn't happened from my view is conversations about how to identify um, moments in the decline process where something different needed to happen, a move or uh, a giving up of certain things or needing more help, those moments were very, very hard to, uh, to talk about when they actually came. Well, I have a theory about that, Cheryl, and it's quite simple. And it's something that we may hear our parents say from time to time. And they'll make reference to uh, going first, dying first. And, uh, and that's not necessarily true. So the tough conversations about moving or, or um, explaining where, where our, our directives and all those difficult, sensitive situations, our parents don't have to be the ones that go first mm. because they won't necessarily die before us. So my philosophy is I go first, and I bring it up for me, and I say things like, Mom, here's where all my stuff is. If something happens to me, I don't want you to be lost in the dark. Here's my stuff. She never ever, you know, would would say, oh, I don't want to talk about it. She would be welcoming, but I go first. So, So on the one hand, that's a kind of strategy to make the conversation about her wishes easier. On the other hand, you're really talking about a reality that no matter what our age, these things could come into our lives. And uh, having some of that prepared is a big help if that does happen. 
Exactly. Really, if you think about it, there's no rhyme or reason who goes first. Absolutely. I'm thinking about my daughters who are 35 and younger, who Mm -hmm. really do not want to, you know, partly because it's my career, maybe, you know, (laughs) who wants to talk about that too much. But they they do not want to um, imagine or anticipate my death. So the whole subject is is hard for me to bring up with them, and I'm wondering how often that happens as well. That um, yeah. we're we're actually, you know, I feel quite willing to talk about it, but they're not ready. Yes, <laughs> and you talk about it anyway because it's the reality <laughs> of life. <laughs> and I have a. I have a 40-year-old daughter, and um, we began these conversations a long time ago, and um, I had the same kind of uh, reaction. It's hard, especially um, from children who love us so much, but uh, it's, it's what we do as professionals and as family members to be responsible to each other, right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, I don't, I don't entirely let them not talk about it. But it's it's a delicate point, yes. <laughs> but once I, it's done, I, it's I, it's a lot easier to talk about other things. I find. Well, and you bring up a good point. Um, we have relationships with our children that go far beyond our business and what we do for a career. And one of the biggest mistakes that adult children make with their parents, who are much older, let's say, is that that's all they talk about. And they, they forgot to have the relationship. Talk about something else. Um, be, be of a whole compass of subjects. When you're with your parents and here come the holidays, right? Don't mm-hmm. talk about elder care and caregiving. Where's the relationship? Keep that in mind. Talk about other things, not just what's wrong or what's to come. You know, when we get back, I'd like to talk more about this communication piece. That, that's a piece of the book, a section of the book that really stood out for me, maybe because I'm, uh, you know, uh, inclined towards the mental health part of all this. But um, I, I'd like to talk about communication when a family, when family relationships are problematic, but, but uh, you know, the children are still trying to take care of the the parents, but it's been problematic all the time, you know, all their history. Let's talk about mm-hmm. that when we get back. And listeners, you can find links to my website and social media at the Good Grief page at Voice America. You can like me on Facebook, follow me on Twitter, etc., etc. Sign up for my meal, email list. Uh, keep up with all things Good Grief. To find Joy LaVard, go to www.elderindustry.com. Be back soon. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. 
Follow the Voice America Talk Radio Network on Twitter. We're at Voice America TRN. You'll get the latest fix on what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and general happenings that you should know about at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Now you don't have to miss anything when you're away from your home or office. Just go to twitter.com forward slash Voice America TRN or follow along with us at Voice America TRN, the Voice America Talk Radio Network. We're on the cutting edge of social media. Can you keep up? Every day, you hear so much about different aspects of the health and wellness field. One day, you hear one thing, and the next day, you hear something that contradicts what you heard the day before. How do you know what's right? Try tuning in to The Cutting Edge of Health and Wellness today with Dr. Neil Nathan. Our goal is to educate and explore this field with guest experts in order to help you take control of your health and well-being. Listen Fridays at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Health & Wellness. Real Life Solutions, Voice America Health & Wellness. You are listening to Good Grief with Cheryl Jones. To reach Cheryl or her guest today, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to Cheryl Jones at weatheringgrief.com. Now, back to Good Grief. Welcome back. I'm your host, Cheryl Jones, and I've been talking with Joy Laverde. I mispronounced that the first section. But now I've got it right. Author of The Complete Elder Care Planner, a comprehensive support for caregivers. And before the break, we were talking about uh, communication, which which is, of course, the part that, uh, I mean, I've, I've been exposed to every part of your book, all of the practical stuff, too. But the communication part often comes up when I'm working with people either who are caregivers or who are, um, you know, facing uh, illness or or elderhood, and um, what I wanted to ask you about is what 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 we do, I guess, when family relationships are already strained uh, and defensive, and communication hasn't been uh, very positive. Uh, how do you begin to mend that? Because I do think the end of life has some potential for mending and for, you know, sort of mutual forgiveness and some better connection. But um, getting started is hard for people. Oh, absolutely. Um, there's so much, as you know, so many reasons why communications go berserk, right? Mm. One of the One of the things... Um, and this is in in the within the context of elder care, and um, so let's say you've had a not so good relationship, and then bam, all of a sudden you're in the you're in the club, right? Mm-hmm. One of the biggest mistakes that people make, caregivers, sons, daughters, one of the biggest mistakes they make, and you've heard it, it's a catchy phrase. Now you're going to parent your parents. Well, I got news for everybody. There's no such thing. Mm-hmm. And you want to talk about World War III, that's when the world of your family will blow up in your face. 
We are never, ever our parents' parents, and, and they are never our children. And to put it in that context is we approach the things that have to be done, <clears throat> excuse me, in this time in their lives, it must be an appropriate, healthy relationship. I don't have to, I don't mean it has to be nice, because if they weren't nice all along, it's not, it's not going to be nice now. However, it has to be appropriate. It has to be healthy. And that means facilitating their success. We are, we are not parenting them. Uh, never have, never will. So that's my big red flag to all the listeners who think all of a sudden they get to be their parents' parent. Well, guess what? They don't. <laughs> yeah, I think I think that's really a shorthand, isn't it, Joy? For uh, you're going to be taking care of them uh, physically in some ways that are similar to uh, you know because very young kids can't take care of themselves physically, but beyond right. that, not much similarity, huh? Not much. And in the minute we approach it, as we are the experts in their lives then we will pretty much not be able to get much done um, in a way that would be, when, if you look back, and you'd say, boy, that was bad or that was great. So it's important that the, the, the mindset of us adult children have an idea of what it is that we are doing when we approach the situation. And if we need to go to therapy before, we take on these responsibilities, that would be a good idea. Yeah, one thing I really noticed as I was reading the book is how many aspects are facilitated, aspects of what you talked about in the book, are facilitated by money and um, how people's access to that it can be extremely limited and that makes things like going to therapy, well, that's why it's a good, uh, you know, a helpful resource because many people could buy a book that can't do all the rest of it. Uh, I agree mm -hmm. with you, but there, there's some limited access in various places to all those services, at least, you know, uh, um, having them paid for somehow. Well, when, when people ask me, what should I be thinking about, I, there are three things and they're in they're in order. First one is money. Who's going to pay for all this? Mm -hmm. And then the second is housing, and the third is the paperwork, putting, putting our affairs in order legally, you know, put it in writing. But the first issue is money. Because it's, the other two cost money. <laughs> you know, by, by and large, yeah. it's hard to do those things without any money. Uh, oh. I, I, having just right. gone through my mother's uh, decline in death recently... Uh, she was a very good financial planner, just excellent, uh, n way more excellent than I. And boy, did that ease a lot. Uh, you know, she also made a good, uh, good living for a period of time in her life, and so did my dad. And you know, so uh, it's it's very illuminating to watch what that resource does do for people. But um, I do see people with less resource who access community, uh, things that are available in the community much better than she did because she didn't need yeah. to. 
That's right. That's right. Now, I'm not saying if you don't have money, you're doomed, because I know plenty of people who don't have money, but they have lots of friends, and they have lots of community resources, and they know how to surround themselves with a circle of friends. And that's equally important as having a bunch of money in the bank. Yeah, in fact, I read an article years ago that uh, we should plan for retirement by acquiring friends. Um, right. As opposed Social to money, capital. If, if we have friends of every age group, we'll probably be okay. I thought that was a very interesting approach. Well, actually, you're right. <laughs> you are, you are very right. Um, that is uh, one of the one of the things that I do talk about a lot. Is uh, you know who who will who will be there for us. And uh, some of these things are priceless. They don't cost a dime. There's just people who are willing to surround even the caregivers with love and attention while they are caring for their parents or someone, you know, or their spouses. And so that does uh, push us up against the, um, you know, surrendering to being cared for. And I'm not talking about controlling someone's life. But just um, mm-hmm. letting someone care for you and saying thank you. Um, yeah. That, you know, that can be a difficulty because I find when, uh, when people are tense about getting help, they're also not that grateful. It, you know, it sort of gets uh, twisted a little. So that I, yeah. I was thinking about that as I was reading too. That that just makes such a difference to be able to say, "Oh, thank you for doing that for me." Um, that there's a real power in that. Oh, I'm so glad you brought that up. Yeah, I I don't think I've ever said to anyone who offered to do something for me, "Oh, you shouldn't have." <laughs> I will never say that. <laughs> no, I don't ever say that. And in fact, I I do whatever I can to say, "Oh, you know." You have no idea how much I appreciate this. And, I, um, yeah, I, oh. when, when my wife was sick, I actually uh, made a pact with myself to only say thank you for a year. It was very illuminating. Uh, mm-hmm. Just how happy people were to help when they felt appreciated. Yeah, and that's the same for, for us when you think about how we just do things out of love and how we don't expect anything, but it makes us feel so good. And of course that, that goes along with having a purpose in life and having our lives validated. Caregiving mm-hmm. is quite validating. Mm-hmm. It's, yes. it, it gives us such incredible purpose. You know, there's another aspect of, of um, communication that I wanted to talk about it really uh, stood out in the book. Uh, this this aspect of keeping our ears open for signals from the other person that may not always be entirely direct. Uh, that could be about their readiness for some help in some area. You know that might come out like, um, "Oh, nobody ever comes to visit me." Or, you know, some kind of complaint, but actually what they're saying is I'm lonely or I'm, I'm, I need some, some contact here. Um, or they'll and, tell you about the neighbor who's having problems. Absolutely. You know, and it's really them. Yes. And, and uh, one thing that really stood out to me was the section of the book where you were talking about how people cue you that they feel their, their, uh, 
life may be coming to an end. Um, there's a section in the book called Letting Go, and, and I, I'd love to have you share that, uh, you know, in that regard, the kinds of things to kind of listen for that cue you in that someone is thinking about their, their life uh, getting to an end point. So, so I, um, there is an excerpt that uh, begins with some of the things that people say that often t- can take us by surprise. So um, especially like this time of year, if we're going to be spending a lot of time with our elders and family members, or they could be just our friends, you know. They could say, mm-hmm. see you next year, God willing. I'm hope- I hope I'm still around next Thanksgiving. Or perhaps um, someone, a close relative or a friend may say to us, I'd like you to have this bracelet to remember me by when I'm gone. So these are the kinds of words, like God willing and when I'm gone, that may startle us. And in response, we might say something like, oh, well, I'll see you next Thanksgiving. Nothing's mm-hmm. going to happen to you. Or, well, let's not, don't give me your bracelet now. Let's just do it later. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't, you don't need to do it now because you're going to be around a long time. Mm-hmm. So acknowledging when our elders make reference to dying and death and graciously accepting the gifts and tokens of love validates what they are preparing to do, and that is to die in peace. Now, while death may not be happening anytime soon, what we caregivers have been given is a window of opportunity to say and do what is important. Does that make sense? Oh, absolutely. You know, it, it brought back a very vivid memory for me uh, my daughter got engaged not long before my dad died, and he was a minister. And her deep desire was for him to perform her ceremony. Mm-hmm. And so, of course, he she asked him immediately, and he said yes. But he said, um, "You better do it soon." And he had no life limiting anything going on at that moment. He had some. Um, some problems but they weren't life limiting and she if I had been there it might have gone a little different but she said oh grandpa you'll be there you know out of fear we say those things out of fear really well he did Mm -hmm. die before her wedding Mm. and um, you know I I think about that in this regard that uh, you know, we could say something like, um, you'll be there either way, or, you know, we mm. can give people a sense of continuity beyond death that, uh, and of course he was, we sewed his wedding ring in her dress, you know, it did a lot of things oh. to, to bring him in, um, certainly not the same as having him say the beautiful words he would have said, but uh, that was my um, vivid example of what you're talking about, that um, sometimes it's so uh, crushing to really respond to those statements that we kind of brush them off. One of the things I ask myself when I hear words like that is, what does this person really need right now? Mm Mm-hmm. What are they really looking for? And 
typically what I find is that they want to make sure I'm going to be around. They want to make sure I do not abandon them. There's some something about to stick with me no matter how ugly I get. Be there with me. And if I don't, if I don't somehow say that, yes, I'll take your bracelet. I can't wait to see you next Thanksgiving. The under the undertone is I will be here. As long as you want me to be here, I'll be here. And I will and I will be on this journey with you unafraid. Because I'm unafraid yeah. to talk about it right now. Well there's also in that I had um a guest recently, Lorraine Hedke, and she does a lot of work with uh the I the certainty in my mind but you know it's not how people always look at it that our relationships continue beyond our deaths and she does a lot of work to cultivate that in families so that the person knows that they will be continually in relationship uh, (laughs) with the people they love and that when someone says something like that it is an invitation in that regard isn't it to say, uh, you know, I will always be connected to you. You've been so important to me. I love you so much, or whatever it is we might say, and or maybe even how do you want to be remembered? Exactly. I love what you just said, and, and if someone is struggling with this who is listening now, if we think of these conversations as an invitation, and they, and they help you get over any kind of fear, the, to, to be invited is, is so uh, warm. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how to describe it. But well, we're also talking maybe about um, maybe I just think this is a, uh, happening in the culture because of what I do. But it seems to me there's a cultural shri- shift happening where there's more out there about the fact that we all die. Uh, oh, I sure hope so. Um, uh, that was. Mm. Uh, it's my fondest wish that that's actually true, you know. But if it's if it's okay in the culture to say it, it's more okay between family members too, don't you think? Absolutely, and and um, we ha- we now have evidence that it is more in the culture. It is it is headline news in Time magazine and um, a new radio station, and the the, the fact that. People are talking about death in different categories, even the Kardashians, right? You know, there was conversation about what do you do when you're in the middle of a divorce and then you you have responsibilities. People are talking about everything related to dying and death, and it's, it can only be good. I think so, too. Well, even, even global... Um, experiences of death, I think, have changed over time. The way that we respond to something like um, the the Paris and Beirut killings, I, mm-hmm. I just feel that feel there's more real talk about death in it instead of just horrible. Then ignore. <laughs> exactly, so and I've, I've been noticing a lot of um, surfacing of the word kindness. And, mm-hmm. and this, is, this is also very much related to 
sticking uh, with someone through thick and thin as they go on to um, to to their own dying process and the kindness that can be surfaced that and it's going to be we're we're all going to be uh, doing some amazing things and, and writing about it. I am talking about it. It's time for our second break, Joy. So let's send uh, listeners off to my website, weatheringgrief.com, with two Gs and the Good Grief Host page, and to find Joy Laverde and her excellent book, The Complete Elder Care Planner, go to www.elderindustry.com, and I'm going to remind you one more time to send me questions and comments for my show with Tom Zuba next week on Grieving Through the Holidays. Back after the break. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network wherever you go. In addition to listening live, you can check out information about your favorite talk show hosts, discover new talk show personalities, add shows to your list of favorites, and listen to all our show archives on demand. All from your iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market, and get ready to tune in. The Voice America mobile app, powered by Aircast. Explore the power of natural healing with Howard Strauss. Join us each week for an informative program that will help you learn effective healing methods using natural remedies. Howard's guests include top researchers, authors, and experts who will share their views on a variety of natural products and healing methods that really work. Tune in to The Power of Natural Healing with Howard Strauss, Mondays at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Real Life Solutions, Voice America Health and Wellness. You are listening to Good Grief with Cheryl Jones. To reach Cheryl or her guest today, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to Cheryl Jones at weatheringgrief.com. Now, back to Good Grief. Welcome back. I'm here with Joy Laverde talking about our excellent resource book, The Complete Elder Care Planner. Before the break, we were talking about just noticing maybe more direct conversation about death and grief and what it means. Of course, I'm very much geared that way, so... um, I have like a, a magnetic attraction to blogs about grief and uh, people are writing about grief and talking about grief. But I do think there is some shift happening that I see when there are more public events that involve loss. Um, do you see some signs of that too? I'm definitely seeing signs of it. I'm also hearing more and more of it in casual conversations. Um, I believe that Many of these conversations are as a direct result of, of previewing other people's dying and death process. So they're, so when I hear the conversations, they're typically in reference to what they want and what they don't want. Usually it oh. starts with well, I, what I don't want. <laughs> and that's uh-huh. fine as long as they start talking. 
and then they go to, well, when I say, what do you, what do you want? That's where it gets interesting because they say, I don't know. I can't articulate it. I just know what I don't want, which, it, it, which is an exciting place for all of the grief professionals out there, the hospice, palliative care, your, yourself, all the therapists. These are all opportunities to carve the path to help us, to educate us, and to help us articulate what it is that we're trying to say. Because yes. I can guarantee you we don't, we don't really necessarily know how to say what we do want. Well, I th- uh, for me, that seems connected to before I actually experienced a death very intimately, uh, it seemed like a horror. And the actual experience for me wasn't that at all. Mm-hmm. So if we haven't really walked someone to their death, it's hard to imagine there could be good things about it. And that what we want, figuring out what we want, could make it a much better experience. I don't think that's part of the public conversation too much. Right, um, but I think we're going to need help. We, we lay people are going to need help on how to articulate our thoughts. Um, and, absolutely. And that's, that's what's going to happen. And, and I believe that, that society in general is more open to these conversations than ever before. Because guess what? If our parents have... Uh, if we're finished with that part of the caregiving process, guess who's next? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. But here's the okay. thing, Joy. I know you've been doing this work for a long time. And so something brought you to this uh, earlier than most. I know what it was for me. It was my wife's death and all the people that I uh, that we had in our lives who who also died in that period of time. But what got you interested in helping people face up to these things in the first place? Well, I come from a very large, open, lot of family member, Italian culture family. So we do family all the time. And then Sundays at the dinner table, we're spent talking about family and everything in between. So when I was young, when I was 14 years old, I was invited to go to a nursing home on Thanksgiving morning as a volunteer. And so my 14-year-old brain could not understand when we went to this nursing home on Thanksgiving morning how 14 or how seven people could be sitting in the dark with no family. Mm. But I could not comprehend that. All I saw was the visual of that. And... And it was ever since that day that I was determined to create a quality of life for people, all people, as they age. That was the tap on the shoulder from the guy upstairs. Hmm. That's that's very interesting. You know, I'm thinking I'm thinking right now about the Buddha who was protected from uh, his life story as he was he was a prince and he was kept away from death or anything difficult. And then when he saw something difficult, he was uh, had a moment of illumination. You know, this this is important. <laughs> Pay attention. Mm-hmm. Uh, that mm-hmm. sometimes it's what it's it's seeing something from a little bit of an outside perspective. Uh, you know, where you had a family that was talking about things, and you saw that not everybody had that blessing. Exactly. It was it was a 
contrast of what I was going home to versus where I was in the moment. And that stayed with me. I could see that picture as clearly as though it was yesterday. And then when you when you did have uh, when you were a caregiver, because I know you have been since then, uh, did all the advance um, thought and attention you had put into that uh, then help you in your own in your own caring for uh, people in your life? Absolutely. Um, I think anybody who's ever written a book knows that they're working through their own things. <laughs> and so, so in that process, I, I learned a lot of writing, and then I applied it, and then uh, the book is on its sixth edition, so every edition is updated with my new learnings. And believe me, there are a lot of them. I'm constantly learning new things. That's that's it, a great inspiration, it, isn't it, that we, that we're, um, we can keep, bringing a fresh view to these things that we've been in contact with for a long time. I, I sure find that with this show, for instance, that mm-hmm. uh, someone will say something while I'm talking with them that just changes my gears a little bit, and I love that. I know. It, it is good. We, we, uh, we just have to stay flexible to, to what is real in the moment. Absolutely. Um, so, the another section that did rather stick stick out to me was this idea of gifts for aging parents. You know, since I've done this this uh, journey, I'm not sure I love that word, but you know, since I've walked this walk, um, a lot of things you said about relating uh, brought mm-hmm. up stories for me, mm-hmm. and. Um, uh, I'm going to have you read this, but I could just say that the story this brought up for me is that I stopped giving. Uh, my dad died suddenly, so we didn't really mm-hmm. have a a process. But my mom, uh, we did, and I stopped giving her gifts. I started giving her experiences uh, the last few years of her life, which I'm so happy I did. And it was a great effort. When someone is kind of declining physically, it's actually a lot of work to take them to the ballet or something, (laughs) you know. Absolutely. Um, (laughs) Well, I thought that um, I think it's, it's, it's a good idea to talk about this gift thing especially now because we're in the holiday season and, and uh, the clock is ticking and we, we can do a, 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 moment, um, a shift now and stop with the robes and the slippers and the stuff that ends up on the closet shelf and get into the nitty-gritty of what, what a gift can be at this time of the holiday season. So, Would, would um, you share that part the, of the book with the listeners? Sure, it's, it's um, who dumped when it comes to giving gifts to older people who seem to have everything they need. The gift-giving ideas that, that I promote in the book strengthen family ties, including exploring family genealogy and preserving family traditions and native languages. To reap the benefits of the family unit, we must learn how to set the stage for our elders to share. 
the experience of family shifts over time and socializing across the ages is vital to all generations. It's up to family members to maintain the quality of life of the family since there is no social system to guarantee it. Making a family work well takes cooperation, maturity, and acknowledgement of values, traditions, and culture. Uh, I, I, I'm thinking about my mom's last birthday. She had asked to be taken to this uh, art show, um, and she was when she asked, she was well enough. And then by the mm-hmm. time, by the time her birthday actually came, she wasn't well enough. And um, I was, I was feeling stumped by it. You know, <laughs> what can I do? Yeah. I can't, I can't fulfill this desire. So I thought, okay, we can't go too far. We, ha- you know, it's really about the time. I took her for a manicure and lunch. Mm-hmm. That's a very, very simple thing. No big deal, right? Right. After lunch, she said, that's the best birthday of my whole life. Mm. Mm. And I think it has to do with that really what a person wants when all of those physical details don't matter so much anymore is your attention. And that's rather hard to give when you're so busy giving care. But it really taught me a lot, that moment with her, because she wasn't that easy a person to satisfy generally um, sure. in her lifetime. Sure. But that little thing that, that I gave freely and that she enjoyed, uh, boy, I still am car- carrying that around. Very precious. Well, you, you brought up a good point. And again, I had mentioned this earlier. When you're so busy giving care, but to me... So busy being care doesn't, we think about it. How much care do we really do? We, we, um, if they need an aspirin or a glass of water, we do that. If they, if, if they need more physical care, we do that. But there's a whole lot of time when we're not doing the care word, right? That's when these conversations and that's when these opportunities arise where we can get off the subject of, of their physical needs and get into conversations that mean something, like looking at a piece of jewelry, for, you know, for example. Where did you get this, Mom? What were the circumstances? Why does it mean so much to you? Tell me. Tell me, tell me about you and, and what that was like. And... Um, music. Music is another thing. It's so simple. Um, mu- we're learning so much about the power of music and dementia now, and it's Absolutely. just a, a whole other subject. However, if you brought your music in a room with your parent and you started saying, what's your favorite song? I'm going to bring it up on Pandora here, and we can sing it together. What a memory. What a moment. So, so we are only we we are only caregivers up until a certain point, and then we become in a relationship with the people that we are, you know, going to be with for the rest of their life. Mm. These are the kinds of gifts. And but I just want to say a word before we get off that um, 
resentment's a killer, so give what you can give with love. Uh, yeah. Whenever okay. possible, because yeah. I, yeah. you know, it, we want to be mm. present for those moments too, not wishing we were somewhere else, huh? Mm. I, am, <laughs> you know, I, I really uh, respect the caregivers who do not have good relationships with their parents, and they're for their, they're there for them anyway. And Absolutely. To you, I tip my hat forever and ever. Absolutely. You are amazing, um, and. And I, you know, I never, never want to underestimate what it takes to be with a parent who wasn't necessarily kind. Absolutely. Joy, guess what? We're out of time. This has been wonderful. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) And as I mentioned last week, listeners, Tom Zuba is coming on next week and we're going to be taking calls. So be sure and call in. Uh, you can get in touch with me at my, at my page at Voice America or at my website. And you can get to Joy Laverde at, um, uh, www.elderindustry.com. This has been Good Grief with Cheryl Jones. I look forward to being with you again next week for another meaningful conversation. Thank you so much for joining us for Good Grief. Please come back next Wednesday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific Time for another edition featuring your host, Cheryl Jones, on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Have a meaningful week. Abre mi corazón.